This is the City of Refuge, Thomaston, Georgia, Sunday morning podcast. You know, uh, I was able to speak a, a few months ago, I mean months, a few weeks ago, and I, and I talked to you about um, primarily from uh, John chapter 15. And I was talking about the uh, the vine and the fruit and the you know the, the the limbs and the branches and you know and all of this stuff and and God wasn't quite finished stirring my, my heart about this at this time and so I wanted to uh, I wanted to pick almost pick back up kind of where I left off at last time and uh, and and start there and then oddly enough I'm gonna probably work my way back around to there again this morning. But um, as, I, as I started studying and looking at uh, this a little bit more of the, of the, the thought of the, of the vine and the, and the branches and stuff, I had never before realized or seen that in the Old Testament, Israel was called the vine of God. That it was in that there are multiple places in Scripture where where God, when when the prophets are speaking, that they speak of God as being the gardener and Israel being God's God's vine, and God is going to plant Israel in this land, and Israel is going to is going to be the one that's going to show the rest of the world God that they're going to they're going to be the living example of uh, of God in on, on the earth, and we all know that that Israel failed and again and again and again and you know and were sometimes just you know just utter miserable failures to the point at at a a couple of different times where God told Moses I'll just wipe them all out and we'll start over with you I'll just I'll just wipe them off the face of the earth and then and then at one point you know uh, Israel did not even get to enter into the promised land God said everybody that is uh, in this generation that that were adults that come out of uh, that come out of Egypt they're all going to die in the wilderness and they're not going to go and they're not going to be that vine that I plant into the uh, into the the land that I promised this land that is flowing with milk and honey and uh, I read to you this morning from the the passage in Psalm chapter 80 and it talked and it talked this morning about Israel uh, being planted in God's vineyard and how their how their shoots uh, begin to spread out and how they how they begin to prosper in the land but then then all of a sudden uh, their their hedges begin to be tore down and the and the strangers that pass by begin to to eat their fruit and how the wild hogs or the wild animals would come by and would devour their fruit. And I, I want to read to you from, from Isaiah this morning uh, in chapter 5, another passage that is very similar. In Isaiah chapter 5 it says, Now I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. He plowed and cleared the stones. He planted it with the best vines. In the middle, he built a watchtower, and he carved a wine press in, in the nearby rocks. Then he waited for a harvest of sweet grapes, but the grapes that grew were bitter. Now you, people of Jerusalem and Judah, you judge between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done for my vineyard that I have not already done? When I expected sweet grapes, why did my, my vineyard give me bitter grapes? Now let me tell you what I want what I will do with my vineyard. I will tear down its hedges and let it be destroyed. I will break down its walls and let animals trample it. I will take I will make it a wild place where the vines are not pruned and the ground is not hoed, a place overgrown with briars and thorns. I will command the clouds to drop no rain on it 
The nation of Israel is the vineyard of the Lord of heaven's armies. The people of Judah are his pleasant garden. He expected a crop of justice, but instead found oppression. He expected to find righteousness, but instead found, uh, but instead heard cries of violence. Here again, we have Isaiah portraying the the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, as as God's vineyard or as as God's pleasant garden, and talks about how how God expected, or there was an expectation of of sweet sweet grapes. You know, there's nothing better than, and, and I remember as a child and even now as an adult, um, when when my grandfather had uh, had the garden, and now as my my dad and uh, Cassie do the do the garden, I, I, there was always the expectation and always the delight of sitting down and eating some of this fresh uh, fresh stuff that come out, some of the tomatoes. You know, uh, I I remember pictures of just just hundreds and hundreds of tomatoes on on the tables and uh, out at uh, when out at Papa's house. I still call my house Papa's house sometimes. But out at Papa's house and and uh, and looking at, at at all all that he had done and all that he had accomplished in growing his his garden. And then now my my dad and Cassie, they're you know they're they're working in the garden all the time. But one one thing that has stuck out to me and has jumped out at me in both of these passages of scripture is it, is it says that God God prepared the soil, God prepared the ground, God did the legwork, God did the footwork to make this happen. And one one thing that that I I, I remember and that I know from watching growing up that I've I've never done this personally, but there's always a lot of preparation work. There's always a lot of work to make the soil good soil, to make the soil cultivated so that it will uh, produce a fruit, so that it will produce a harvest, so that you can enjoy those sweet tomatoes or those sweet grapes or, or whatever it is that, you, that you've planted. There's always some, some legwork to be done. I, I know I can remember as a child watching my grandfather out in the garden with, uh, you know, with, with his hoe going through and, and getting, you know, knocking up all the dirt clots of grass and getting all of it out. And I and see him with his tiller back and forth up and down the aisles. I see my dad doing the same thing now, out working in the garden, trying to get it so that we can, so that there are no weeds growing up around, around the crop, so that they're not, they're not choked out, so that he can have the best possible harvest so that he can have the best possible results, so that he can have the best possible fruit that, to come from, this, from, this, uh, from, these, uh, from his hard work. And, and it, it doesn't happen on its own. It doesn't happen in a, in a, in a natural environment. It doesn't happen without putting some, some leg uh, work into it. And then I, I started looking at, in, uh, in the book of Matthew, the parable of the sower. How many of you are, is everybody familiar with the parable of the sower? You know, I have this I have this passage uh, uh, down this morning uh, to read, but I think that I will. Um, if everybody's familiar with this passage, I'll just talk about it for a minute. In the parable of the sower, Jesus is tell, is telling a parable, and he's talking about a farmer who went out to his field to sow some soil. I mean, to sow some seed in the soil. And as the farmer went out, the farmer began to sow his seed. It says that some seed fell along the path. All right. Some seed fell along the path. Then the other seed, it as it was being spread, it was it was it fell upon the stony places or the places where the where the rocks were, and then other seed was as it was thrown as it was thrown out, it fell amongst the thorns. It fell amongst the the thorns and the thistles, and it it, fa- it fell in a in a place where it where it was not going to be uh, successful at growing. But other soil, other soil, it fell on good ground. It fell in the right spot. It fell in, in the spot where the farmer had cultivated. 
All right. And so when you when you look at this passage of scripture and you and you look at the at the nation of Israel at this time, um, most of most most of the, the they were mostly agricultural uh, community. And there was a lot of a, a lot of planting, a lot of sowing uh, and a, a lot of uh, a, just small gardens and larger gardens in this area. And so they understood exactly what Jesus was saying because a lot of times the farms were set up so that there were plots of ground that were next to each other in a community and the community would work together sometimes even to prepare this soil and to prepare the prepare the uh, ground for uh, for the for the seed to go in well as they prepared this it would be blocked off in in uh in in like little land lots and so there would be areas where they would they would have designated to walk around and walk in between the um, the the planted areas so that they would not uh so that they would not step on or trample live plants that were growing so there was there were areas of path there were pathways in between the gardens all right and a lot of times today you'll see that that uh farmers will have a pathway around their garden or in their garden so that they can get in there and they can access it and they can clean it and uh they can they can go in and and weed out the roots all right they have these pathways that gets packed that get packed down and they're hard and and, and they're designed to be that way and that's what they're supposed to do they're supposed to be ways where we can where you can travel in and out, all right? There are other areas where, where they've got places where they've, they've come in and as they were preparing this soil, where they've cleared stones away, they've cleared debris away, and they've, they've moved them over to one place or the other. Or there, there are areas that, that are not intended to be planted, all right? And these areas, they, they, they're, they're, the debris is there, the rocks are there, but nothing's going to grow in that area. And then there are other places, and I would imagine maybe in the corners, along the edges sometimes maybe where there are areas where there there's the brush is overgrown where the brush hadn't been cleared away or there's just areas with weeds or vines and and uh areas that are that are not designed to be planted and then there are the areas that are in the middle you know where where seed is supposed to go into the ground where they've worked hard and they've cultivated it all right so so when Jesus was telling this parable and he was talking to the people about, about the farmer sowing his seed, this is the this is the mental image that the people would have. This is what they would see, and this is what would come to their mind. All right, and so Jesus is talking about this farmer that goes out and he and he strows his seed. And you know, and I, I've been out with one of the little bags that you put over and you and you and you spin sometimes, or seen uh, cultivators on tractors that spin and they throw the seed. Well, there's always seed that goes. It, that goes where you didn't really intend for it to go. No matter how hard you try to get all of the seed in the exact right spot, that there's going to be seed that's going to fall out of bounds there somewhere. You know, most of the time when <clears throat> when I'm going down and I'm, I'm planting, uh, you know, deer plots or food plots, I, I come back around and I see where I spilled a bunch of seed over here. Over on the over on the side, or I, uh, I or I, I was broadcasting seed or spinning seed. I would see seed out 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 in the areas that I did not plan intend for the seed to go. Well, you know, in in looking at this at this passage of scripture of um, of the the farmer and the seed or the sower and and I've always thought of that in terms of salvation. I don't know why, but until this week, I have always thought of this parable in terms of. These are, these are people who are hearing God's word. They're making a decision about Christ. They're making a decision about salvation. And sometimes those seeds are going to, 
you know, we're, we're going to go and we're going to cast the, our seed out and our seed is going to fall along, along the path and the bir- where the birds are going to come and they're going to eat it up. You know, these are going to be people who are going to reject the message of Christ. They're just not going to hear it. They're not going to, they're not going to accept it. Or there are going to be other people who are going to be like the stony ground. You know, they're, they're, going, to, they're going to have something going on in their life. And, you know, maybe what, what would be what some would t- call a, a foxhole conversion. You know, they're going to embrace this truth while they're going through something in their life. But the roots are not going to be very deep. And, and they're not going to hang on. You know, they're not going to, they're not going to um, you know, walk. The, walk the walk the walk of in the way and there are others that you know that are that are just not going to let go of the sinful stuff in their life and they really didn't mean to you know to ask Jesus to come into their heart or however you want to explain that or however you want to look at that but for whatever reason you know the seed lands in over in the thorns and they're just not going to accept Christ it's you know all the cares of life are going to choke them out and then there are going to be those where their good seed, you know, falls in the right spot and it's cultivated and it grows and they're going to grow as Christians. But, but the Lord began to talk to me about this this week and, you know, and says, this is, this is, this is my word. This is my word that, that I send out. Because when you, when you read on and uh, a little bit later on as Jesus explains this passage of Scripture, Jesus doesn't say that this is, uh, this is about salvation. He says that now the, the, the word, my word is the seed. My word is the seed that I'm spreading out. And I thought, how many times in my life has God spoken something to me or have I been in a church service and I've heard something that really ministered to me, but in my own heart and in my life, it didn't fall on good soil. It didn't fall right where it needed to to produce, produce a crop. How many times has, has a pastor or the, or the Lord spoke to me about something and I, and I said, you know, God, I'm, only, I'm not going to surrender this all the way. I'm, I'm going to, I'll meet you in the middle. I'll surrender this halfway to you. I'm going to give up this thing and I, might, and I might give up this other thing, but I'm, I, you know, I'm, not, you know, I, I'm not giving it all up. You know, I, I see that as, as stony places in my, in, in my life. I see that as, as something that where, where I'm willing to meet God halfway, where I'm not really to fully buy in and fully sell, sell out. How about, how, about, how about something like unforgiveness? You know, the Bible tells us all the time that, that God will forgive us to the extent that we forgive others. How, how about unforgiveness in our lives? How, how many times has God spoke to us about making something right with somebody else? And, and, and we've maybe half-heartedly said, yeah, I need to do that, but... You know, we, our, our attitude's not right about it. You know, or, or we're, not, we're just not fully buying into it and we're not fully walking through and going through with what God has told us. Or what about, what about maybe, what would be considered maybe the path in our life? Sometimes we already have our mind made up about stuff. Sometimes we, 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 we're, we're, we're in that rut. Uh, as uh, as pa- as uh, Dean told us, and Pastor Jeff has said, what was what was it the the horrible pit of of Christian mediocrity? Or mediocrity? Uh, we talked about in our class Wednesday night, and Pastor Jeff has mentioned a few times. What 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 are the what are things in your life that 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 you've just completely shut the door on? That you're not going to change? That you're not going to let God speak to you about? And God is is knocking on the door, and God is trying to trying to speak to you through the Holy Spirit or through the pastor or through the Word or, or through your devotional times when you sit down and, and you read, read your, your Bible. What are those things that, that you've just locked God out on and you said, not budging here. 
be different for all of us. You know, there may there there are things in your life and things that you've you, you know that you may have said, well, this is the way that I was raised. This is the, this is this is just the way that I was taught. This is the way that I see this. This is the way I feel about this. You know, people I've had people ask me over the years with with us having been in outreach ministries and outreach style ministries for for a long for for a long time. You know, how far do I go? And you know, and I would say, would well, well, Jesus Jesus went as far enough to to give his life to lay his life down and jesus says that when we love our brothers and our sisters that you know there's no greater love than we lay our life down for our friends well what what does that mean how far we go we you know and 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 i think that we probably all have a point that we come to with laying our life down and giving of ourselves where we say okay this is it this is as far as i go this is as far as i'm willing to invest in in this situation you know, and, and God may try to speak to us about going further or going more or doing something differently, but we've made up our minds about it. You know, sometimes it can be, you know, it, it can be a certain style of, of, um, of worship or music or, or, or anything that any, you can make, make it anything where we say, I'm not budging on this. I'm not giving in on this. And that's like seed that is, that is scattered along the paths of our lives. You know, seed that is just, that is just scattered along. You know, sometimes we, we become hard-hearted about stuff or, or, we become, or we have hurts or wounds that, in areas of our lives and, and we're just not willing to let God dig around in those areas. When God begins to speak to us and God, God begins to minister to us, we just shut Him off. I'm, I, I, know, well, I, I can say that, that, that I do and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm betting that you do too. What about the, the, the seed that is, that is thrown or, or strode into the thorns and the thistles? You know, we all have stuff that we struggle with. We all have stuff that we, that we, we're all busy. Sometimes I think the thorn and the thistles can be just the busyness of life. Just the busyness of life and the pace of life that that we live in today, and and I heard something on the radio this week on uh, on the, the Joy FM that where and I don't even remember who it was that said it, but said it, it, it's not about having time to do everything that you want to do. It's not about having time. It's about having the right priorities, because the things that the things that we make priorities, we make time for those things. The things that are important to us, we make time for those things. I was talking with uh, some folks that I work with this week about time management and how to better manage their time and how to go through their, their email inbox and get rid of all the junk stuff, all the stuff that's going to kill your time for the day and get all that stuff out of the way and don't, e- don't even look at it. And then, and then figure out what, when you, just by looking at the heading on your email, what is the most important thing on the, you know, in the subject line and, you, and start there and then go one after the other. Well, how, how often do, do, do we hear that, that soft voice of the Holy Spirit, that soft knock on our hearts to pull away and spend time with God? And we say, okay, God, and, and me this week, guilty, I say, okay, God, let me do this, and, and then, then, then I'll, come, I'll come over here. And then a, a little bit later, it, it was there again. I said, okay, God, I promise I'm, I'm, I'm going to. I just got to take care of this. And, and you know what? It wasn't things that were important. It wasn't some sort of hard deadline that I had to meet. It, it was just me just saying, okay, God, I'll get to it in a few minutes. I, I, I'll, I'll get over there. I'll, I'll get into the Word. Yes, God, I'll, I'll come and I'll, I'll spend some time in prayer, but I want to do this other thing first. 
How often do we find ourselves doing that? How often do we find ourselves with, with secret sin that we don't want anybody to know about? Maybe it's a bad attitude that we have about something. Because, you know, I, I've said before that Jesus changed the standard of sinfulness. He took, the, he took sinfulness from a physical act or an act and changed it down to a thought process. All right, It was always that thought process, but under the Jewish law, it was, it was just the, the physical act. But he said, you know, if you look at a woman and you lust after her, you, you've, already, you've already sinned. You've already committed adultery. You know, if you, if you think about murdering someone and, and you, you, or you covet what your neighbor has, then, then you've already committed sin. So that, that's a thought process. All right, so we all have these, these thought processes that, we, that sometimes we, we allow to continue and sometimes we, you know, we, we realize it and we kick them out. But you know, sometimes it's our, our thought processes and these, these sinful things that we dwell on. And, and it's, not, it's not necessarily something that's completely bad, but it's something that just takes priority over God. Like earlier when I, when I said a while ago that God was, was knocking on my heart or, or was speaking to me to draw away and come spend some time with him. But I had other stuff that I wanted to do. So I was making that other stuff an idol. I was putting it, giving it a higher priority than, than my walk with God and my relationship with him. Well, see, we all have these, we all have these areas in our lives where we, where we have these thorny, thistly areas. You know, and I find myself praying all the time, God, completely and utterly destroy, burn up, consume whatever is in me that, that is going to separate me from you. So we all have these thorny areas in our lives that we need to, that we need to surrender to Him. But surrendering to Him is sometimes just, it, it's a difficult thing because we're, we're always dealing with our flesh. We're always dealing with the, with the old me that wants to rise up inside of me, that wants to be selfish, that wants to be self-promoting and doing what I want to do when I want to do it and saying, God, I'll get to you in a little bit. That's the way it is sometimes, right? That's the way it was when I told God earlier this week, okay, God, I will. I, I will draw away. I will come. I will spend that time with you. You see, the soil was all the same. The soil was all the same where, where the, where the, uh, in, the, in this Jewish com community where they were getting ready to plant everything. What made the difference was the amount of labor and the amount of preparation that they had put into making the soil good soil. What do we do? What do we do with our lives to make sure that our lives and our hearts are good soil? How do we prepare our own lives? How do we prepare ourselves to make sure that the soil that, that God's word, that God's seed is landing on is good? How do we do that? We do that by baby steps. We do that by one step at a time. Just like Pastor Jeff says, I get up in the morning, I sit down with my word, I read it, and I say, God, what do you have for me today? And then I begin to walk down the, down the Christian way, down this Christian walk, doing what God says day after day after day. And the more that we find ourselves being obedient to Him, the more we find ourselves walking after Him, the more we find ourselves pursuing Him, the more we're cultivating our, our hearts and our souls and we're cultivating the soil in our lives so that when God's Word comes and God gives us direction and God calls us to pull away and God calls us to spend some time with Him, that, that we're saying, yes, Lord, I'm right here, and I'm all over that. Yes, Lord, I will drop this. I will surrender this. I will, I will offer forgiveness. I will give forgiveness, and I will love, and I will go the extra mile. We begin to prepare our soil, and we, and, and we do that daily. You know, the Apostle Paul says that I have, to, I have to lay down my life 
day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. I have to take up my cross and follow Christ. I have to make the decision to do that, and we have to be intentional about doing that. You know, back to the, back to the busyness of life. You know, there are days where, where I get up and I'm, I'm, I'm running behind and I'm running late or, you know, uh, I just wanted to lay in bed for an extra 30 minutes or an extra hour or, or whatever. And I know that I should have got up a lot earlier and then I find myself running behind and then I don't do the things that I need to do with God. Sometimes I'm not disciplined enough to, to um, develop and cultivate the soil in my life. How can we do that? How can we, how can we begin to... to, to Cultivate the soil of our lives. You know, we're never going to get it fully cultivated. We, we need the master gardener. We need him in our lives. We need him to reach down into our lives and to change the way that we think, to change the way that we see things, and to shape us and mold us and form us. But we have to surrender to him to let him do that. We have to surrender to him and yield to him Day after day after day after day. If we don't, then we find ourselves in the rut, going through the motions, living a fruitless, powerless life where we just come to church, sit on the pew, and then go home and go about our business. God has never intended for us to, to do that. God has never intended for the Christian walk to be that kind of a walk. So let's uh, let's look. Let's let me let me change direction just a little bit. With all of that having been said, with all of that with with, with that laid as a, as a foundation. Now let me let me let me move on to what what I really wanted to talk to you about this morning. You know, in 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 the context of what what we just talked about is Israel being the vine of God. In in John chapter fifteen, Jesus says. I am the true vine, and it's labeled the true vine. You know, Jesus, Jesus was talking to, the, to, to, to a group, and he was talking to some of the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and he was telling them, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. Not Israel. Not Israel under, uh, not Israel. Israel was a miserable vine. Israel failed God over and over and over again. But let me tell you exactly what, what Jesus was saying as Jesus was telling them that he was the true vine. You know, there are a few times in Scripture where Jesus, uh, and I'm going to come back and I'm going to read some in John 15 in just a minute, but there were times where, where Jesus made the, the statement, I, I am. And we know that in the Old Testament, when God revealed himself to Moses, and Moses asked, who should I say sent me? This is Moses at the burning bush in the book of Exodus. Who should who should I tell them sent me? Who do I tell the the people of Israel? Who do I tell Pharaoh that that you know is sending me? Who who are you exactly? You know, and God says, "I am that I am." Tell them that I am sent you. And see, this is something that that was very that that all all of the all of the Jewish people would be familiar with. This is certainly something that all the Sadducees and Pharisees would be familiar with. That that God is the I am that I am. I'm all sustaining. And and in that statement, we find we find God's eternalness. In other words, I, I just am. I didn't need anybody to start me. I didn't need anybody to create me. I didn't need anybody. There, there's not going to be any any end. I just am. 
And, uh, you know, and I never understood, I, I had a hard time understanding that and grasping that as a, as a younger, as, you know, when I first heard that, that, that God is all sustaining. Anything that you, anything that, that would ever be needed, God doesn't need anything, but anything that, that would ever be needed, God is, I am. I am that. I am this. I am, I am everything. I am self-sustaining. I am eternal. All right, so in, in, in the book of John and in other places in the New Testament, we find that Jesus began, when he was talking most, most of the time to the Sadducees and Pharisees, he would, use, he would start out by saying, I am. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. I am that that sustains you. I am that that, that fills you. I am that, the, even, even going as far as to say that the manna that came down from heaven, I am the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the true light. And every time that he would start and he would say, I am, he was making a reference to God and when, when God had this, or Moses had this encounter with God. Uh, another one is, I am the gate. I am the way. I am, I am the, the gate. I am the, what, what opens to allow you into the, into the kingdom. He said, I am the good shepherd. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus says, as we know in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then in, in John chapter, in, uh, chapter 15, Jesus says, I am the good, I mean, I am the vine. And as Jesus is saying these things, he's, 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 he's pointing out his, his equality with God. You know, in, in one passage, the uh, the the Sadducees and Pharisees came to Jesus and they said, you're a Samaritan and a demon. You're no good. And Jesus says, what, what do you mean? What do you, you know, what, how do you, why, why do you say that? How do you, how do you come to that conclusion? And, and they, they were carrying on a dialogue with Jesus. And Jesus says, Jesus told him, he says, look, he says, anyone who, who believes in me and does what I says will, will, uh, you know, will, will have eternal life. They will never see death. And he was talking about the, the final judgment, the final death being thrown, cast into the lake of fire. And, and the Sadducees and Pharisees, they responded, how, how can you say that anyone who trusts in you will, will never see death for our father Abraham died? And uh, how, how can you say that? And Jesus, Jesus his response was, was not comical to them. It was, it was blasphemous to the, to the Sadducees and Pharisees. But standing now here today reading this, Jesus says his response to them was, was well, before Abraham was, I am. And he was, he was telling them and he was confirming about his eternalness and, and saying that I am God. All right. So when, when, we, when we go back to this, uh, this chapter in in um in Matthew I'm sorry John chapter uh, 15 where Jesus is talking about the vine and the branches all right I talked to you about this uh, a few weeks ago um, but when when Je Jesus says that that apart from him a, a detached from the vine that the branch is no good you know what and and as I was thinking about this and I was pondering this and I was and I was going through this this week you know even even when the vine is attached to the branch that, that branch is not going to bear any fruit unless it has the sap from the vine or it has the, the, uh, the, all of the good stuff from the vines flowing out to it. All right? It's not going to, it has to stay connected, but it also has, has it flowing through. You know, sometimes we, we, we hold on to stuff. 
Sometimes we hold on to stuff that, doesn't, that does not allow us to prepare the, the soil in our life. There are things that, that we attach to ourselves. Sometimes there are things that, that are just attached to us that, that are not of our own, our own fault. It may be something that happened to us 10 years ago or 20 years ago that, that, that we just kind of drag around. And, and sometimes we, we even condemn ourselves about these things. And it's like a dead branch in a limb that's hanging off of a healthy vine that's just hanging out there, just waiting to fall at any minute. The other day, I was the, the wind was picking up a little bit, and my, my truck was parked out in the driveway. And, and I looked, and I said, man, that tree, that, that limb looks dead. You know, it's on a perfectly live tree, but, you know, the, the, uh, the limb looked bad. And I said, i got to go move my truck. I don't want that dead limb to fall. You know, or I look at some of the big oak trees out at my dad's house sometimes, and there's, there's a, a limb up there, and, and, it, and it looks like it's just hanging or dangling, and, it, and it's going to fall at any second. We had a huge oak tree that's in between our houses that had some limbs that, fall, that fell out of it this week. And this, this oak tree, I mean, it's bigger than probably two people could reach around at the base. It's this huge oak I mean, not oak tree, it's a cedar tree, I'm sorry. It's a huge cedar tree, and that cedar tree, you know, I have all sorts of wonderful memories of this cedar tree, and I love this cedar tree. Tree, but these two big, huge limbs fell out, and when these limbs that, that were healthy and that were living that fell out, there was there was some decay and deadness in there that you could see that wasn't visible from the outside. You know, I can go down. I started to do this this morning, and I had intended to do it, but I I um, had something come up that there again had something come up, and I had intended to do this, and I didn't get around to doing it. But I had intended to go back over in the pasture this morning and clip a little pine tree this morning and bring it in to show to you as an object lesson. You know, the, the, it, it looks like it, it's it's alive. It looks like it's it's um, you know thriving, but it's been cut off. All right, so sometimes we have those vines, those limbs that have been cut off, and sometimes we have these dead spots that are in our, that are in our lives. You know, the Bible says that the, the the gardener is the father, and that he comes in and he prunes out these 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 spots. But God only prunes our lives to the extent that we're willing to surrender and submit to Him. All right. So if we want to bear fruit. All right, and, and in this passage, the scripture says that it is God's will that we bear fruit because it brings much glory to Him. If we want to bear fruit, we have to surrender to this pruning. And that pruning has to do with, prepare, is, to me, is, is, is parallel to preparing the soil in our lives. So we have to begin to submit to God when God speaks to us and God begins to deal with us. All right, then we have to be we have to be willing to say, yes, God, cut this away and help me to lay it down, to walk away from it and to never pick it up again. God, help me to get rid of this bad attitude. Help me to get rid of this attitude that I've had my whole life that's been plaguing me, that has been dragging me around and dragging me down from for, for as long as I live. Help me to get rid of this bad attitude. Help me to surrender it to you. Because some, sometimes a bad attitude can be like a dead limb sticking out. You know, we, we might have some fruit, fruitfulness that's around over here, but we have this, this dead limb that just doesn't look good. You know, sometimes this dead limb, you know, it, it may be that uh, a past thing that we won't forgive ourselves for. Something that we're holding on to, something that, that we done or something that we were involved in and, you know, or something that, that we, we felt like we just never had overcome or we established a reputation or we were known for this, this thing. 
and we won't we won't get rid of it. We you know we, God's forgiven us for it. God's cast it as far as the east is from the west, but we hold on to it and we attach it to ourselves. I can never do this great thing for God, or I can never do anything for God because look what I, look what I did you know back there. Look what look look what's behind me. Look what look what's in my background. You know, and, and we and we hold on to that and we and we don't let go of it. And it's just a, a big dead spot in our, in our in our life. We have to be willing to surrender and forgive ourselves. I heard somebody say it like this one time. Don't go digging around in the blood. Don't go digging around and bringing up stuff that God has forgiven you about. When God cast it as far as the east is from the west, be confident and be and have freedom in his forgiveness. Don't go digging it back up and don't be reminding yourself. And if you've got other people in your life that are reminding you of it and they're pointing at the, the things that you did you know, back then, tell them, don't go digging around in the blood. It's gone. God has forgiven me for this. It, it is not part of me anymore. It's not who I am. It does not define me. I, we need to be defined by our walk with Christ and who He is, not who we are, not, who, not, not our failures, but who He is. And you know... The fruit that we bear in our life is not really our fruit anyway. It's not us. There's nothing in me that can love the way God loves except for God. There's nothing in me that can, that can be patient and that can be, that can be self-controlled the way that God wants me to be or the way that God says I should be. You know, Scripture teaches us that there's nothing good in us. And the only way that we can ever do anything is through Him. And so really the fruit that we have is God's fruit. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's not the fruit of Sherwin. It's the result of, of working and, walk, and on, my, on my relationship and my walk with Him. It's the result of cultivating my life and spending time with Him so that His fruit grows in my life. So that, so that there, there's fruit there for other people to enjoy. The, fruit, the tree doesn't enjoy the fruit. All right? The fruit is not for me. You know, the, my, my uh, pear tree out back doesn't grow pears because it wants to consume them or devour them. It, you know, it wants to eat them or enjoy them. I've never seen my pear tree reach down and pick up a pear and take a bite of it, all right? The fruit is for other people, all right? The fruit is for those who are around us. The fruit is for the people who are in our community. The fruit is, is for the people that we're, we're supposed to be reaching out to, that we're supposed to be ministering to. And there are people all around us who are starving and need fruit, who need to just take a little bite of the love that grows over here. And see, in the fruit, of our, the fruit, the fruit trees that we're supposed to be, they're not like the trees that we're, that we're accustomed to. You know, you don't go to an to a apple tree and expect to find grapes. You don't go to a, to a pear tree and expect to find a, a pomegranate or figs. But see, the, the, the trees that God grows up in us, they're multi-fruited. <laughs> that, 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 that's, uh, that's I think I just made a word up. They're, they're multi-fruited, all right? We, we, do have, we do have multiple fruits. We do have love. We do have joy. We do have self-control. We do have all of these fruits that God gives us and that He grows in our lives. They're all His fruit. And, and, and sometimes somebody's just going to need a little bite of, of an apple. You know, sometimes somebody's just going to need a little self-control. They're going to need us to be self-controlled. They're, we, they're going to need us to be patient with them. Sometimes somebody's going to need some love, all right? And they're going to need us to, to show them love, to give them love, to love and appreciate them and to make them feel valued and to make them feel like that they have worth. 
Sometimes somebody's going to just need a little joy. Somebody's just feeling down and they need to just have a little bite of some joy in, in, in our lives. You know, our, our lives should be so full of God that, that the river of living waters that is Christ that flows from Him, that flows into us, that satisfies us, should overflow from our lives into, uh, into the lives of other people so that they can experience these, these fruit that, uh, that, that, that we have. You know, God doesn't give, give me fruit uh, God doesn't give you fruit so that you can feel better about yourself. You know, that, that's, one, that's, that's one thing and one trap that we often fall into, or I do, um, you know, is, is it makes me feel good to love other people. You know, but when, when it makes me feel good to love other people, then, you know, and, and I'm doing it because it makes me feel good, then I gauge who I share that fruit with. I gauge who I'm patient with and who I'm not patient with. Instead of just across the board loving like he says to, or across the board having you know patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness. If I do it because it makes me feel good, there again, the fruit's not for the tree. It's not for me. It's not for the branch to consume. Then, it's, then the motives are wrong. And my soil is getting bad again. There's becoming stony places in my soil. And so we have to remember that that the, the whole purpose in us in us being fruitful in us having our, our lives prepared is to bring glory to the Father, to love the Father, and to love those around us. The two greatest commandments. Love God first and love others. Amen. Amen. Well, all right. Well, I appreciate you guys letting us let me uh, share with you this morning. I, uh, I, I always enjoy uh, being able to uh, to talk with you and to share with you. And uh, you'll have to promise not to tell Pastor Jeff that we got over at 1139. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm just just joking. And, and listen, we, we do want to uh, we do want to pray for pray for them on, on, on you know, for safe travels back. And, um, you know, and while I, while I enjoy being up here, there's nothing like having pastor up here. I love to sit and listen to him teach. Um, sometimes it's just kind of a artistic, poetic, you know, message from God that just that just flows. And I, I love to sit under his ministry. And um, there are others that, uh, that we need to pray for. Uh, we need to continue to remember to pray for our shut-ins. There are several people that are not feeling well, that are sick. Um, so, so let's do uh, take some time this week um, as God calls us and draws us away to, to re- remember those. And we have to be intentional about that, okay? We have to be intentional about that drawing away and when we hear in Him being obedient. Amen.